I'm, I'm probably going to do this more often than not. I'm going to start teaching on something on Sunday, and then I'm going to have a discussion about it. I, so if anybody wants to come and they want to talk through it or whatever, because I'm going to stop and let people ask questions, and that's kind of what we're going to we're going to do sort of from now on. I may have something the Lord puts on my heart or whatever, but um, this is kind of what I'm going to try to do as we go along. Do we have a live stream going, buddy? Live stream is going. Well, good evening. We're going to go ahead and get started. Do you know that you guys are covenant people? As I said on Sunday morning, you people are the covenant people. Amen. Do you know that they're, the world is covenant people too? Do you know that in every aspect of our covenants on this planet, it was given to us primarily by God so that he would have something and we would have something. So let me ask you a question. How many people have a covenant in your neighborhood? Anybody? Anybody? Most of you do, right? Well, you probably have a car payment. How many people have a car payment? Well, I mentioned this. We all have covenants that we've signed. We've signed our lives away. I get to drive a car out there, and guess what happens? I have to pay a payment. So the car for the payment is my penalty. Well, covenant with God is a little bit like that too. When God created some covenants, he said, I will do things for you and I won't do certain things for you or against you. And see, that's what we talked about a good number of, uh, of time on Sunday was how is this covenant sort of, you know, what is our covenant? Where did we go with this? So tonight we're just going to continue to have a talk. If anybody's got any questions or anything, just throw up your hand. I'll, I'll stop in the middle of it. I'll probably take a couple of pauses. I'll let people just, you don't have to have a question. You can have a comment if you want to. But so I'm going to real quickly hit this. What is a covenant? So if you go by Webster's Dictionary, it means an agreement or a promise usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. That means they've got a part to play and you've got a part to play. So the two or three people that has this covenant, they have their part that they have to play. Well, in the, in the Greek, so anytime in the New Testament that you see covenant, it is the word dithaliki, and it means dithaliki. How do you like that one? It's a contract, a will. Yes, I am speaking Greek. It is Greek to you. But it is a covenant. You know that if, if I leave my kids something, that is, that is a covenant between me and them. That's why God said that it was good for us to leave our kids stuff. So y'all better get to, to it there is all I'm saying, you know. But see, this is the thing I want you to understand is that when you have a will, when you have a covenant, when you have a contract, that means that you and whoever you have that with, y'all are to go to battle with each other. Y'all are to to basically create opportunities to where people have their needs met and you have your needs met. And this is why God created the covenant system. In fact, I believe the covenant system, the more I've been studying this week, because I made mention about having, you know, we have world systems, right? We're going to talk a little bit about that just, just in a second. But I believe the covenant system is God's system. 
I believe that the covenant system was the way God originally wanted to have with, with man. He wanted covenants in the earth. In fact, every time God deals with man, he deals with a covenant. He doesn't come in and say, I'm going to give you Marxism, or I'm going to give you capitalism, or I'm going to give you socialism. That was never a covenant of God. That was always a covenant of man. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of move on here because you know, we talked a lot about this, but I'm going to hit the highlights. But in, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 30, God cut a covenant with Adam and with Eve. And it says, God said, let us make man in our own image according to our likeness. Let him have dominion. This word dominion right here is the word to mean subjugate. It means reign over. It means that I get to rule it. You know, when we have something that we are supposed to subjugate, that means we got some work to do, right? That was what God wanted from each and every person. God wanted them to go and take their world. Do you know that you have a world? God still wants you to go take it. You know, there's people that you deal with that I don't deal with. That is your people. Those are your times. You go to work, Dad, guess what? Those people are going to be your people. You get to go and talk to them. You get to go and minister to them. You get to go and deal with their junk. Do you know that when you deal with people's junk, you're just carrying their burdens? You know, the Lord is wanting us to understand that we have dominion over our world. In fact, it says that we have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all of the earth and all the creeps too. So those people that you deal with at work, you have dominion over them. You can subjugate them as well. Don't let the creeps come creeping on you, right? But this is the thing is that in verse 27, it says here, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. God wanted you to act like him in the earth. Do you know that God had something for man to do that he wasn't going to do? In fact, God actually right here is writing a will. He's writing a contract with man and he's saying, go and do your own thing. Go, I want you to create a system here on the earth. I want you to create your world. I want you to go subjugate it, take it over. And see, God put all this stuff in place because he said, you're going to be like me. You know, God trusted Adam and Eve a lot. You know, with Jesus, and when we accepted Jesus, God trusts us as well. You know, we also have the whole male and female thing. It's being attacked right now. Do you know that being male doesn't mean that you're the more dominant and being female means that you're the less dominant and that you're less than? Do you know that in both places, we both have the same authority. God didn't give Adam more authority than he gave than he gave Eve. That was not the whole point behind all that. In fact, Adam and Eve, they had their own, they had their own place, they had their own things, but they had the same authority. And so I just I want you to understand that the attack that's happening on male and female is to destroy the image of God. 
It's to destroy what God put in this earth as a covenant unto us. Because guess what? Men have seed, women are ground. And we have to understand that if you don't play your part, we all die, right? If you don't go till your ground and go put seed in the ground, then you got nothing to eat. Well, the same thing, if the human race, which by the way, I don't know how many people, this may not be a good thing for y'all to go look up, but go, I, I, I suggest if you have anything that you want to look up about this, there is, they're cutting, they're cutting out 9,000 schools or they cut out 9,000 schools in 10 years in Japan. They actually said that by 2035 and 2050, there would be, there would be in a population de-escalation and that if they don't bring people in by within a hundred years, it, they will be completely gone. Japan will be wiped off the, the planet. You know why? Because they don't go plant seed. Get it? See, they're not marrying and they're not going and having kids. They do not want to grow their garden. And see, God went and told them in, in, verse, uh, in verse 28 right here, it says, Then the Lord blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Go conquer that earth and have dominion over everything, the fish, the bird, over the living things that move on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every herb that is yielding seed, and on the face of the earth and every tree, those fruits that yield seed to you, it shall be for food. And also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life. I've given it in every green herb for food. And it is so it was so. See, I want you to understand God basically created an opportunity for everything to grow and everything to multiply. And see, when people say, well, I don't want to multiply, I don't want to go further. See, this is a prosperity message in a lot of ways. Uh-oh, Dusty, are you a prosperity preacher? Absolutely, I'm going to teach you that you're supposed to go and multiply. I'm not saying that you're going to get a check in the mail tomorrow. Hallelujah. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that God has perfected in each and every one of us a call our call number one is to go and multiply to go do things to go take over our world to go take care of all those creeps that are out there right so being born of the world gives you access to the covenant see this was the thing is that when god wrote this covenant to everybody he came back and said hey this is for you this is not for the angels. This is not for, for God himself. God didn't say, I made a covenant for me, and this is what I get out of it. Do you notice this covenant has nothing to do with God? This covenant right here has to do with you and your world. God said, you've got dominion over it. You need to go and take care of it. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. And also you can go back to, to John chapter 3 because he talks about this as well. But it says, This is he who came by water and by blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but also water and blood. Do you know that water and blood, everybody, I said this Sunday, everybody should know the answer. But do you know that every woman who is given birth, your water breaks, Right? 
So it comes by water and blood. That means that I came into the earth under this covenant. This was the covenant that God put in place for each and every person that lives here. Guess what? Jesus himself came to this earth by water and by blood. That means that he had authority where God did not have authority. People go, well, God had authority over everything. God only has authority over what he, what he has retained, not what he's given. You know, the earth, it would have been, it probably would have been, it probably would have been better, but also worse if God had said, I'm going to hedge my bet and I'm going to put my toe in this covenant so that I've got a little bit, I can always keep my foot in it. Well, you know what? Adam and Eve and all of us would just go, okay, I'm not going to do anything. See, it would supersede our will. And this is one of the reasons why I think it is so important is because we need to understand our part in the covenant. You know that after Adam and Eve sinned, we were stuck with the covenant that is still happening today. In fact, it says here in verse 15, it says, and I'll put enmity after, after they fail, talking about the serpent, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between the seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise, your, bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, greatly I multiply sorrows. Remember we said, hey, there is sorrows and conception, right? We're not even talking about childbirth yet. Do you know that that sorrows means that we have that we have what I'm about to show you here, which is this isabon, which is toil and pain and worry and sickness. You know what? I, I bet most women would go about one time a month. I get something that the guys don't get right, and everybody knows that that is not a good time, right? See, this is one of the things that I want you to understand: is that God put things in the earth. And then all of a sudden, in order to multiply, he had to add sorrow to it. This right here uh, in verse uh, verse 16, it says, The woman said, and he said unto the woman, I will greatly multiply thy sorrows and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be unto the husband, and he shall rule over thee. Verse 17 says, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I command thee, said, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Okay, I want you to understand something. This is a two-parter here. The Lord showed me something here. That you will... You will have your ground be sorrow, but also because you broke the covenant. What did Adam and Eve do? They ate of the tree of what? Knowledge of good and evil. Do you know that they will eat of that all the days of their life too? See, when Adam and Eve ate of this fruit, they got to decide what was good. In fact, we even talked about this on Sunday, that that without even eating the fruit... God had said it was not good for food. It was not good. And what did Eve say? It was good for food. Do you know that she started before she even ate it? She had already committed the sin in her heart. I get to say what's good over God. 
I get to say what is evil. And we're seeing it right now more than ever. There is no objective morals anymore for a lot of people. And see, the thing is, is that good and evil, when you bring good and evil into a conversation, the first thing people go, well, that's not my truth. Well, you know what? We're eating of that fruit even today. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was our decision to say, I'm going to supersede God's will. And you'll start to see throughout scriptures that people do this over and over again. In fact, it says, and I want to to read a couple of these, the curse, to bind up, to no longer be free. Do you know the curse was not something that was like, oh, I just feel the curse. It was to be bound by something means I'm no longer free to do the things that I want to do. Do you know that before I was saved, I could tell a lie like it was nobody's business? You know, I can tell a lie now, and the Holy Spirit goes, ah, that's not the right thing, don't do it, right? Do you know that, that in everything that we do, we're bound by certain things? We watch, we're watching this TV show, New Heart. It was back in the 80s. Do you ever see it? You know, that show is great. They have a neighbor that owns the little cafe. He is a habitual liar, okay? He can't tell the truth. In fact, when he does tell the truth, he, or, or when he tells a lie, he actually says that wasn't the truth. I mean, he'll, he'll flat out tell you. Do you know that that is the way the sin of man is? The, the way that we have our spirit man without Jesus is constantly how can I get one over on you? See, this is the thing that we were no longer free to be in Him and to, and to have truth. We're constantly trying to find our way into self-preservation, self-righteousness, self, self, self. In fact, uh, our ground, this word ground actually in the Hebrew means Ground, but it means inhabitants of the earth. It means a world system. We, we actually gained a world system. Man actually puts together all this stuff. Do you know that if you were to take away the United States of America, all the other countries, you do away with communism, capitalism, you know, you do away with Marxism, you do with, away with all the different things in the world, do you know that the earth and the trees and everything still just, they just still grow. You know, that system was put here by us for a particular purpose so that we can manipulate the heck out of it. Do you know that we manipulate our system all the time? There's a reason why we don't have a flat tax at 10%. Every, how, how about all those people? How many people are, are 10% tax people? You know, I, I want to do those. Do you know that that would be great? Do you know we couldn't manipulate it so it's never going to happen? They would add something to it. There would be something that would happen. We would never stay at 10% because somebody would always go, how can I get another project in order for me to be able to rake some of that money into my pocket? See, this is the, this is the problem is that as long as we have a system, we will always manipulate it. In fact, it says here, it says in verse 18, thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth in thee and thou shalt eat of the herbs of the field and the sweat of thy face shall be shall thou eat bread. You know what? Every time I eat bread, I feel like I get the sweats. I don't know. It's just something about that. Maybe I eat too much bread when I'm eating bread. Till thou until thou return unto the ground. So until you die, for out of it 
was thou taken, and the dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. Do you know that in every single thing that we have until we die, there is going to be times where Satan is going to get in one ear and God's going to be in the Holy Spirit's in the other ear. You know, there's all the times. And you know what happens is about the time I take the step, and that's why it's so good to be saved, is because the moment I go to take that step, my spirit man goes, nope. You know that this is the, this is the perfection of the saints is when they actually hear God don't do it and they obey it means they become perfect does that mean that they don't think about it and go to take a step no I think it was brother Hagen y'all tell me I know y'all did all the um, you know word of faith years ago but wasn't it brother Hagen that said that you know you can have a bird fly over your head but don't let it make a nest in your hair well you can have a thought come across your mind I've had some really bad thoughts I'll just sit here and tell you about all of them no. <laughs> Do you know that as long as I don't allow them to stay, then I don't act on them. I don't do things. But, you know, even a Christian can have anything that they want. They can, they can sit there and, I mean, we, we've seen plenty of ministers that was filled with God, being used of God, that go and have a, adulterous affairs. Well, you know, I remember Andrew Womack saying, it would take a lot for me to get there. I would have to really walk away from God for a long period of time. But, you know, he said after a certain amount of time, it would happen. If I quit reading my word, if I quit getting into the word, if I quit building my faith, if I quit praying, if I quit praying in tongues, if I quit doing all the things that God has put in my heart, then I would be able to snuff out the Holy Spirit. You know, today I was sitting there on a, on a conference call and the Holy Spirit prompted me not to say something that I wanted to say really, really badly. And I didn't say it. But you know what? A couple of years ago, I was still saved. I would have said it anyway. And like, you're going to know how I feel about this, by God. But see, I want you to understand that the covenant was given unto us because we, we have this dominion. We have this authority on the earth. Now, really quickly, I'm going to hit Abraham because we're going to kind of land on him for a few minutes, okay? Because Abraham had some, had some issues, and I decided I was going to kind of take Abraham and to take him to task a little bit. How about that? You know, Father Abraham, let's talk about you for a minute, okay? So in Genesis 15, it says, And then he brought him outside, talking about God, and he looked towards heaven and counted the stars, if you were able to number them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. So this was a promise unto Abraham. Hey, you're going to have kids, and their offspring is going to be like the stars and the sand and all the other things that you can't even count. Do you know that we... Particularly, in, in fact, Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Curses everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Do you know that this is a covenant that was given so that all of us, I don't know if anybody in here is a Jew, don't even, don't even want to know, but... If you were Jew or Gentile, God preordained before, before the 12 tribes of Israel even was even thought about. 
he said, hey, I'm going to make a covenant with one man that that bloodline was going to come out and Jesus was going to be it and that we were all going to be a part of the same covenant. That would be our will from God. You know, I want to every single time I read the word, I want to be able to take something from it. And I want to be able to say it's going to prosper me because Abraham didn't just do this for no apparent reason. God didn't cut a covenant with him in Genesis chapter 15 for no apparent reason. You know, he went through a lot in order to get that covenant out there. In fact, we're going to talk a little bit about this. All right. We can have a covenant and still might not get the benefits because we are not in agreement. All right. This is a truth, and I find a lot of Christians, in fact, we were having healing school, and we were talking about this just the other night. You can have healing that's in, that's in Jesus. By his stripes we were healed, but some people go, well, I don't know if that's for me or not. Or I don't know if God wants to heal me. Well, I'm going to tell you what, if it's in his word and that's what he said, it's for you. Just go ahead and put down your own stinking thinking, which is, by the way, This is all a part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Every time we go to eat from that tree and we go, oh, I don't know if God wants me to have prosperity. I don't know if God wants me to have peace. I don't know if God wants to bless my family. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know that's all taking a part of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and saying what is good and what is evil? You know, the moment that you go against God, you just need to pack it up because you're not going to get very far. It's just not going to happen. But in Genesis chapter 20, just five chapters later, it says in uh, verse 1, And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between uh, Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Amalek, the king of Ger, said, uh, sent and took her. You know what happens when a king finds out there's a beautiful woman of 90 years old? I mean, I got news for you. I think Pastor Jim used to say this. I want to see what she looks like. I'm going to go find Sarah. I want to go. I want to see. I want to ogle Sarah for a minute because if she was 90 and there was kings looking for her, then man, Sarah was hot, you know? But I'm just going to tell you straight up that, that, You know, Abraham and basically Isaac too both told, well, Abraham told less of a lie. But Isaac told a straight up lie about Rachel because he actually told the same king, this is my sister. So we won't get into that tonight. But we do know that that Abraham, he was afraid. Abraham was afraid. Guess what happens when, you know, you know what happens when I'm afraid? Who gets afraid in my house? My, my wife, my kids. I mean, if daddy is afraid, then guess what happens? Well, Abraham, he was the father of many nations. All the nations were fearing now. Do you know that this was, this was going against the covenant This was going against what God had just given him back in Genesis chapter 15. We're talking about just a few, probably a couple of years later that Abraham's walking around and he's going, he's going, I'm afraid 
to tell people that you're my wife. And so what happened is, is in Genesis 20.11, it says, And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely, the fear of God was not in this place, and they would kill me for account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass that God caused me to wander from my father's house. And I said to her, this, this is your kindness that you should do for me. And every place we go, you should say, he is my brother. Now, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I, I want, you know, this is the participation part of it. So let me ask you a question, Susan. If Barry said, if Barry goes, you know what? I'm afraid of people, and I'm afraid they're going to come take you, Susan. But I don't want them to kill me. I'm okay with whatever they do to you. Whatever they do to you is just fine by me. I'm afraid. Now, <laughs> Barry's afraid. Do you know that, do you know that, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah, Barry's afraid of Susan now. But, see, this is the thing. If you don't take this context and, and run with it the way I'm running with it, then you're going to miss the point. Do you know that Sarah thought he was an idiot? <laughs> thought he was a wimp? In fact, Sarah was probably like, how the heck do I get away from this dude? Because he's a good for nothing. I mean, he's just going to let whatever happens to me is perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. Hey, King, how you doing? I'm 90. Ooh. You know. <laughs> do you know that? Do you know that in in all the instances that I see in Abraham's life, do you know that? And and I said this on Sunday. Do you know the only thing that God picked him for? What what was the reason why God picked him? Because he, he would teach his children. Do you know that that is the only thing? The only thing that even to this day, you have Jewish synagogues and they're teaching their, their kids. They put them in schools all the way up through. You know, when 70 AD happened, the temple got knocked down. They got scattered all over the world. They were in places like Russia and Germany and Italy and France and all these other places. You know that they had, that they kept to themselves and they taught their kids. You know, that was the only thing that God knew. Hey, these line of people, they're gonna they're gonna teach. You know, it doesn't mean that they're gonna be not gonna be afraid. It doesn't mean that they're not gonna be idiots sometimes. So essentially, Abraham set a precedent with his wife. How many people knows that if I was afraid and I was that I that I was being passed around to everybody that was out there and there was no and there was no, um, you know, I didn't feel connected to my husband. You know, there's probably a good reason why she didn't have a kid for him. Oh, goodness. It was huh? It was a different time then, though, wasn't it? I mean, the rules were very different than they are now. Um, okay. Well, we're going to find out what the rules are because, um, because we're going to find out. I mean, I agree with you. The rules were different. But still, under... He was still a 
jerk. Oh, he was a jerk. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to say that that even even a, a even somebody who was a heathen took care of their family unto death. Abraham was like, "Don't kill me. Go do whatever you want to to Sarah, but don't kill me." And see that that was the problem that happened. And this is one of the reasons why I think it's so important to understand where Sarah was at and to understand what was happening during those times. Because God cut covenant both with Abraham and with Sarah. Do you know that, that, when, that when, he, when Sarah said, hey, I'm going to give you over to, you know, I'm going to give my handmaiden over to Abraham and they had Ishmael. Do you know that, that Hagar, you know, was given freely? By Sarah. Do you know that Sarah had no self-worth about who she was? She was just like, hey, you know what? I'll let the covenant go to someone else. Do you know that I actually think this is pretty interesting because God did not stop the covenant? You know, and I'm not going to get too far into this, but, you know, Jacob and Esau... You know, Esau was supposed to be the first line. He was supposed to get all the blessings. He was supposed to be the line that went out. Do you know that if Jacob had not talked him out of his birthright, he would have been. But he was too afraid, too stupid in order to to handle himself. He didn't have the self-worth of anybody. Because all he said was, hey, I'll, I'll give you my birthright for a bowl of soup. You know that in all of these circumstances, there are, there are times in the Bible where I think people, just like some of us, now I've called Abraham everything under the sun, right? But do you know that we all go through times where we doubt God? We all go through times where we're like, are you sure, God? You know, the only thing that I will say about this is, is that when it comes to Abraham, he was... He went a little further than I would have probably had seen out of somebody who even was, you know, schizophrenic. I mean, he had some real issues. But do you know that his birthright, the things that he had been put in place, I was actually really kind of surprised that God just didn't say, hey, I'm just going to go find somebody else. You know how bad everybody else in the world was? Oh, goodness. But in Genesis chapter 20, you know, hurts can keep you from a promise. And we're going to, we're going to see this. In Genesis 20, 16 through 18, then to Sarah. So, so Abimelech uh, is talking to Sarah. Abimelech says, then to Sarah, he said, behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you. This word vindicate, it actually comes out of the the Hebrew as covers the eyes to prevent shame. You know, he paid a penalty. Abimelech, the the king of the Philistines, didn't know God. In fact, when God showed up to him and said, hey, this is is a married woman and you're going to die. I'm just going to kill you because you even took her into your house. And he's like, hey, I'm a righteous man. That's what he says. And I bet God was going, uh-huh. But, but Abimelech said, hey, please, Lord, help me out here. You know that 
Abimelech did all this, but he still was a bad, an awful person. Do you know that Abimelech, for a long, long time, always tried to get pull the wool over Abraham's eyes, even after they cut covenant, tried to pull the wools over, over Isaac's eyes, even though they cut covenant? You know, Abimelech was not a good guy, and God actually healed him. We're going to see this in just a second. But Abimelech said, hey, I'm going to vindicate Sarah. So he did stand up for Sarah in a way that Abraham never did. In fact, it says here, before all who are, I'm going to reread it. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody, means even God. He even paid a penalty that I believe was a sweet aroma to God. This was a little bit like going and having a sacrifice, if you will. And it says, thus she was rebuked. Now this word rebuked right here, it also means justified. It means that she was, that it was paid. That she had come to the place of justification at this point. Because I think God saw her heart and I think God saw where she was coming from. And it says in verse 17, So Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children. And then verse 18 says, For the Lord has closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, a lot of people may go, well, okay, Abimelech closed, had his wife's wombs closed up because of Sarah, okay? How long do you think Sarah was there? That's what I was beginning to wonder. That would take time. <laughs> to know that. Do, you know that, do you know that God had already closed up their wombs? In fact, I believe this is why Abimelech took Sarah is because he was looking for a woman that he thought he might be able to get pregnant. See, what we have to understand is that God said, hey, even if he had slept with Sarah, he couldn't even get her pregnant. Now, you may be going, well, that's awful. I mean, all, all this is awful. But do you know that, that one of the things I want to say is that, do you know that when somebody has hurt and somebody has bad, bad feelings, you know, we've actually seen this before where people, people have depression and anxiety and stuff like that. Do you know that... Um, Fibromyalgia and things like that seem to seem to come along with that. I mean, it, it's it's something. I mean, you know, we were in school, uh, Susan and I, and we were talking to people, and every one of them would say I had major depression, and then all of a sudden I got fibromyalgia. You're like, what? But it's a it's a thing that happens because you put yourself in place because you're going against some covenants, and then you're taking on others, and f- so. One of the things I want you to understand is that they had taken on Sarah's womb of closure. They had taken on the whole, the whole family, the whole, their whole family had taken it on. Not just because of Sarah, but because Sarah's curse, if you will, was on all of them. In fact... Why did Sarah need justification? What was the big thing? Most people would have thought Abraham's the one that needs justification. I mean, Abraham's a bad guy. He's awful. Why did, why did he do it? Well, we'll just find out here. 
you know, she didn't agree with Adam's covenant, and she also didn't agree with Abraham's covenant, the covenant that was cut between Abraham, Sarah, and God. Do you know that Abraham's covenant, I mean, Adam's covenant said what? Be fruitful and... Do you know that she was not multiplying because she had sin in her heart? In fact, Genesis 18.10, it says, And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. So this was after the covenant was cut with Sarah and with God. And it said, Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. And verse 11 says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old, went into advanced age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Thus, I mean, therefore, Sarah laughed within herself and said, After I've grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord, being old also. This word actually means what you think it does. It means, you mean I'm going to have sex? <laughs> no. Not going to happen. I, I, I'm being, hey, let's be, it, I said sex in church. But do you know that, that this was something that I want you to understand? Abraham may not have ever been able to have sex. Maybe one of the reasons why he was such a girly man to most of the people. I'm just, I, I look. I'm not going to read too much into it. Y'all believe what you want to. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you there's a reason why Sarah didn't get pregnant the other 50, 60 years. Do you know that we need to understand that there was things happening in Abraham. There was things happening in Sarah. And you know what? Abraham being a whatever he was at the time before he actually agreed with the covenant. Do you know that? that Abraham himself could not have any kids. He didn't have any kids. And he was a hundred years old. Well, he had Ishmael. So that was after the covenant. See, Abraham actually got the covenant. He could, he could go and do his thing, right? He could plant the seed. But see, Sarah had not agreed to the covenant yet, right? I mean, does, does that make sense to everybody? See, until this point, until the covenant was cut, until there was a, a, a point, Abraham had no kids. So do I, do I blame Abraham for all the things that happened? Oh, yeah, well, I do. But I also want you to understand there was things going on with Abraham. I mean, his life had been, a, had been a roller coaster of he couldn't have kids either. And by the way, Abraham lived in a society where he would have had a wife and concubines. Guess what happens? You don't ever hear about that until after Sarah dies. Do you know after Sarah dies, which I won't go into all this, Sarah, he actually has like five, six kids. He's like 140-something years old. No, he's more than that. Because Sarah was 170-something when she died. He was like 180-something. Well, he had all these kids. Do you know that 
that people, even back then, had mental problems. There was things that was going on in their body. There was issues. I know I'm getting really kind of you know personal tonight, but what I want you to understand is that the covenant was a, was a thing that was bringing life. And see, Sarah had to accept it, and so did Abraham. And Abraham had already accepted this point. And it says, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, in verse 12, And after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Verse 14, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh. Uh, who, who, out here, who out here knows Sarah wasn't saved, right? We didn't have Jesus. There was no Holy Spirit. Oh, I didn't laugh. For she was afraid, and he said, no, but you did laugh. You know, sometimes I think the Lord, you know, I think for me, sometimes I, I'm talking to the Lord and I'm like, oh, this is just not good, Lord. I just don't know what I'm going to do about this. And the Lord goes, I told you to do something and you do it. I mean, that's the way I kind of feel like the Lord just goes, I'm tired of talking to you about this. Just keep doing it. Just keep going. Do you know, I think that was the whole thing with Sarah was that God was the whole time going, look, I thought the hard one was going to be Abraham. You're the one that actually has been holding this sucker up. So anyway, in Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 3, and it says, And the Lord visited Sarah. So this is after. So this is after um, Abimelech had paid the, the penance, had basically given a sacrifice, if you will, in order to cover her shame. And it said in verse, so the next chapter, verse 21, I mean, chapter 21, verse 1, and it says, And the Lord visited Sarah, and he said, And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. And for Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time set of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born unto him, whom Sarah bore, and his name was Isaac. You know, this is one of those things that most of us, most of us need to understand is that there's an appointed time and sometimes we actually extend that time. You know, if we don't do certain things, then our time gets extended. Some people call it going around the mountain, right? You know, that I've seen many a times in my life where, where, the, where God was actually really gracious to me and said, hey, you going to do this? Like going to Bible college. I remember Susan and I were talking back and forth, and then I was like, oh, I'm just not going to go right now. I'll wait. You know, and then the Lord comes back and says, Where are you going to go? And I finally said, Okay, Lord, I'll go. And then he went, I said, Well, I'm just going to go part time. And then I get there that day, and the Lord says, Sign up for full time. <laughs> what? I ain't got time for that. You know, but see, the Lord is actually telling us that there are times and seasons. And sometimes we can extend our season. I mean, we actually see this with Moses. Moses, I mean, 390 years into the, into the covenant, he goes and kills the Egyptian. What happens? He goes and lives uh, for 40 years. So it was 
430 years that that the Israelites went and had um, you know had to live under slavery and everything else. So that extra 30 years, I, little Jim used to say, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, if if 10,000 people or 100,000 people a year was being killed, well, what happens if a if you know if you add another 30 years to that? Oh man, that's millions of people that might have been killed by the by the Egyptians because Moses decided not to do it. But you know, God was so gracious to him, he still used him. It's pretty awesome. All right, we're going to hit this right quick. So, the new covenant. So the spirit, you know, so we get the the comforter. And I'm not going to use any of the scriptures tonight cuz I want to get to this one little point here. Because you guys know the scriptures here that I'm talking about. So in, in John 14, 26, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent, you know, he's going to teach you all things. Well, you know that the Holy Spirit is a promise unto us. In fact, being saved is also a promise unto us. This word saved means delivered, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to be saved. It is the wholeness of what we get from salvation, right? So Mark 16, 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who believes not will be condemned. Do you know that this is the truth that when we accept Jesus Christ, we get healing, we get salvation, we get wholeness, we get the whole gamut. Then we get the comforter that comes in. Man, that's pretty awesome, right? But see, we get all this because of this one, this one thing is because we can agree with the covenant. You know, if you don't agree with the covenant, you're not going to accept Jesus because he was the he was the the actual contract. In fact, Matthew 18, 18, and it says, Surely I say unto you, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you bind in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, and whatever is loosed in heaven, again I say unto you, that if any two agree on earth concerning anything that they shall ask, and it will be done for them by the Father in heaven, for where there is two or three gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. John 14, 12 says, And most surely I say unto you, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and the greater works than these shall he do. Because I go unto my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, and the Father may also be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. See, this is the agreement that Jesus had with us. See, the covenant is about us agreeing. It's about us saying, and hey, God, I want to do something. Whatever I say, it shall be done for me. You know, uh, Acts 10.4, you know, we see this all the time. Do you know that Cornelius, my great-great-grandfather, you know, he went and he sat, he sat there and he was praying. And an angel came unto him and the angel said, Angel said, hey, the Lord has heard your prayer. Do you know that he asked for it? Do you know the, the agreement was in place? And so God moved heaven and earth. He went and he went and uprooted Peter and told him to go kill and eat all these things that he's never had before. It was a barbecue that day, you know. But see, Peter himself was like, hey, I'm not going into a Gentile's house. What? You want me to go over there? See, this is the thing, is that when 
God said, I'm no respecter of persons. I'll go and I'll move heaven and earth to get salvation unto you. And that's what happened. Acts 12, Peter was captured by, by Herod and the saints were praying at Mary's house. And an angel come and took Peter out. In fact, took him out, got him to the door. They were knocking. They're all in there praying, having their Holy Ghost moment. Hallelujah. Praise God. You're going to get Peter out of here. And all of a sudden, the little girl goes, Peter's over there. Shut up. Shut up. We're still praying for Peter. He's not out there. He's in jail. You know, they didn't even believe. But they used their authority. And God said, well, hey, I can go send a... If, as long as you're praying, as long as you're believing, I'm going to go send an angel and I'm going to go get Peter out of there. You know that, that when Peter finally got in there, I bet he was scared to death because he was like, I'm out here in the open. You know that every single time that God used angels, whenever things happen, the angels couldn't do anything until man said, go. Because man is what has authority. And see, that's how we use our covenant on the earth is we have to agree. Luke 8, 24 through 25, and this is the last thing here. As the praise and worship team comes up, no. It says, Jesus rebuked the waves and the wind. You know, Jesus was rebuking the waves and the wind as all the, you know, when all the disciples are out there freaking out. He's asleep down there. He's got his pillow. And all of a sudden they're like, do you not even care about us? You know, and he went and he said, Waves, wind, go. You know, he didn't go and talk to the storm. He went and talked to the things of the storm. You know, I think there's a lot of things that we need to be doing that too. You know, um, Heather and I, she had a headache. Do you have a headache right now? You know, we talked to the headache. We, t- we said pain go right in her head. You know that there's a lot of times where, where we need to just speak. We need to speak to the problem. Oh, there's a pain. Well, speak to that pain. Don't, don't sit there and go, oh, Lord, heal me. Well, you know what? God's going, hey, I want you to, but I need you to say something about it. I need, I need you to do something in order to give authority. You know, that's why Jesus, when he said, all authority and power has been given to me, now you go. You know, one of the things I love about that is the fact that Jesus had fulfilled everything God gave him authority over heaven and earth. And now he gave it to us and we just get to go. Amen? Amen. Amen. Anybody need prayer for anything? My knee hurt today, so as I was doing what I needed to do, I said, pain go away. I have wasted more time on you than I'm not wasting any time on you. Amen. Absolutely. The minute I felt it. And then I said, thank you, Lord, for taking it away. Well, that's what Mark 11:23, 24 says. You know, if you say in this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in your heart whatsoever things that you say, all that is is agreement. I'm, I'm speaking my authority over it. You know, that, that's one of the things that I, I really believe that, that as a church, as a believer, a lot of times we go, I hope it happens. And see, hope is not faith. See, now by faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. Once I know the love for me, then I have a hope, and then I can build my innermost faith, and then now I can speak to it. You're, you're, walking, in the, you're walking in the promise. Absolutely. Amen? And it went away. And it went away. 
Amen. Amen. Anybody got anything else? Was this good? I, I, well, I always thought the moral garden of Eden was don't eat fruit naked, so you really don't. Well, you know. I just won't repeat it, and it won't be on the camera. You know, but but you know, you know, I think I think it's funny because because the thing is, is that that's what everybody thinks that that's what everybody thinks that paradise is, right? I, you know, I quit working, I go to the Bahamas, I get you know, I get in a speedo, which is basically being naked, and then I go and I just eat fruit and drink drinks, right? I mean, that's that's what everybody thinks is oh, that's heaven, you know, but. If he can use them, he can use me. You know, I think I think we. Uh, I, I've heard too many ministers build all of the people in the Bible up rather than showing them for what they were, and they were no different than you and me. David was a mess. David was a mess. You know, the only thing David could do is he would go back to God. That was it. I mean, it was, David would, would mess up. He would have adultery. He would kill somebody. He would do whatever. And then the next thing you know is that he was just worshiping the Lord. I'd like to know more about Enoch. He must have been something for God to take him <laughs> on to heaven. It's like, we need to know more about this man. <laughs> well, so so the, 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 the crazy thing about Enoch is, and there's not a lot. I know the book of Enoch. You can take it for a grain of salt. Read it. It's fine. There's a whole lot of stuff in it that I'm not, I'm not sure about, right? But I will tell you this. Do you know Enoch walked with God and he took him? That meant that no one else is walking with God. It means in that time that even, even Noah, because Noah was there. Noah wasn't walking with God. He just knew Noah was at a place to where he was going to go build the boat. Enoch was like, hey, I'm going to go be a little bit like David. I'm going to go and hang out with these people. There's only three people that has been, you know, translated into heaven. And, you know, you've got Elijah, you've got uh, Enoch, and you've got Jesus. And, you know, in, in every single one of those, those people, they were closer to God than everybody else at the time. You know... I think Enoch, I think God, if you go back and read, especially in Genesis right there where I think it's chapter 8, chapter 9, God was repenting of even making a man. I think he was at a point to where he was like, could I just do away with all this? I mean, he was, he was literally at that point. And I think Enoch was about the only thing that was keeping him from going, hey, is man worth it? Right? So I don't know that much about Enoch. You can go read. I've read the book of Enoch. It is strange. <laughs> it's got some it's got some stuff in it. And I'm not saying it's not right. I'm just saying that it's different than the Bible because it is more giants, it's more everything, right? There's more angels, there's more everything in it. And so well, that's what was going on then. It was. It was, but you you have to understand that 
that it was not canonized because, because it was unverified, right? It, it was not written by Moses. It wasn't written by any of the Old Testament folks. So, um, anything else? Anybody got anything else? And then he walked around with sacrifice. And I think that's a picture of Christ. It's a picture of our being in the covenant with Christ. He cut covenant for Abraham. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. Not with Abraham. With, yeah, he cut for. It for him. That, yeah. yeah, that's how I say that. But um, that's, that's the covenant that we come out of right. with Christ. Um, I think that's, that's good. Yeah. Jesus being that sacrifice for us, um, we didn't have to sacrifice. Well, that, that's good because, you know, that kind of goes back to the point of, you know, Abraham could mess up and God still was going to hold up his side of the, the bargain. Because he made the so, covenant with himself. So, absolutely. Because yeah. of that covenant, he, he made the covenant with Abraham. Jesus, God had actually lost covenant in the earth. Right. And Adam sold out to Satan. Right. He was Mm. You're willing to do this in the covenants? I know I can do this. Right. You're going to slay a son, that way you can get sons, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus is all the way through it. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Jesus is all the way through it. And you know, like you said earlier, when they did it, even they did it in their heart, he killed Isaac in his heart. He had the knife back. Yeah. And then God knew he's willing to do that in the covenant, so I'm going to open the door for my son to come in. You know? Absolutely. Amen. Absolutely. You know that you know this was something that actually helped me to be a better Christian was to understand the covenants because if you understand this is God's system and this is the way God wants to deal with you is that He wants you to He wants you to have your part and He wants He wants to have His part and that He wants to do it with you co-laboring together, co-laboring together then you understand the the differences of okay. I know this is my part. I, I need to pray. I need to speak to my problem. I need to go and do something. I, God tells me to do something. I put feet with my faith, right? You know, I always think about when we were, when the Lord told me to, to start the church and we've been doing it in our house and I went to Crunch Fitness and that day he said, hey, go talk to, go talk to Crunch, or go talk to, what was the? Cultivate. Cultivate. Yeah. Okay, the people that was here but he told me to go do that. He And I was like, look, Lord, <laughs> these people aren't going to talk to me. But you know what? The Lord created opportunities, and we were able to get in the building. Now, I, I look at something like that, and most people go, well, you know, is, is that the most important thing? Well, no, that's not. But that was just a part of what I was supposed to do. It was, it was just another step. You know, some people, they get to a certain point, and they go, oh, well, I'm done, right? Well, no, no, God says, hey, 
okay, I'm cutting covenant with you. I want you to go do. Well, once you finish something, there's another thing to do. And it's a constant. We're never done. I, I think that that's going to be the system in heaven, if you want to know the truth about it. I think in heaven there's going to be a covenant that is going to be between between God and and the new man. And we're going to go, and in fact, you even see some of that in the end of Revelations, is that God is cutting covenant. There's going to be people on the earth. There's going to be people that's going to, I mean, the earth is not going anywhere. But there's going to be covenant that people are going to live under. And this is one of the reasons why I think that it's so important for us to understand it is because I think that no matter what you do, there's going to be a covenant. We're going to die. God's going to have a covenant for us. So I think, I think those are, these are some of the things that's made me just understand my place with God a whole lot more. Anybody else? Anything else? Think about how mundane it would be if, if you arrived. Like if you arrived. If you arrived, yeah. What else you have? Yeah, right. So God has always got something further. That's why, why I had some teacher, I don't remember who it was, or a faith teacher maybe, but had mentioned in his sermon that when you get to heaven, you're going to be learning. You're going to be developing more and more. Absolutely. And Absolutely. You know, because, uh, because God is infinite. You know, there's always going to be something for us to grab hold of and go forward with him. You know, I always say that, you know, you know it's, it's been said many, many times. Uh, I think we even had a class where one of the teachers was talking about how the angels are around the throne of God and they're looking into the, the infiniteness of who God is, just infinity. And they're going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Well, we sing that song, but the whole thing is, is that they're not just sitting there chanting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. No, they're going, whoa, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Whoa, what is that? Whoa, I can't even see it. What? And that says they have eyes all around them. It, they can't even turn away from how good he is, right? It's because the goodness of God is always going to be there. And so we're, we're not going we're not, we're not to finish. We're beginning again, right? Got a lot to look forward to. It's going to be a whole lot better after the millennium, too. <laughs> a whole lot better. Yeah. But as she was going there and visiting all the places, she went to a place and there was a bunch of children underneath mm. the pavilion. She goes, What's that? She goes, That's all the ch children that died prematurely. They're teaching them the Word of God. Mm. They didn't have a chance to learn things here. So, yeah. You know, they, wow. the uh, it just, you know, there's people teaching them. So much stuff. And it didn't call it chores or work. It was heavenly things to do. That's right. You know, those are the kind of things that should be giving people hope. If you lost a kid, if there was an issue that happened, you know, knowing that God has a plan even beyond here. Most of the time I think people see here and they go, well, this, this is it. Make, make it count. <laughs> Jesus knew 
why don't you talk? And well, the master said he wouldn't be near as exciting if he talked back. She gets in such deep detail, and it ties in with the word. Barry, all dogs go to heaven. All water leads to the ocean. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I will tell you this. I don't know if Burt Reynolds went to heaven, but you know, we'll, we'll we'll stop there. But well, I got a few pets I want there. There's some I really don't. Yeah, want. don't want any anymore. I get into somebody else. That cat was from hell. <laughs> the cat from hell. Well, you know what, guys? You know, these are the kind of things I enjoy the conversations. But you know, there's a there's a lot more that you know. If you guys, you know, get anything out of this, I'd like to know more about what you get out of it too. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm gonna pray us out. We're, you know, we, this was so good. We went 21 minutes over. So, everybody, bow your heads. Father, we come to in Christ Jesus' name. I just thank you, dear Lord, for our covenant, Father. I thank you that Jesus came and, and cut the best covenant that we can have. That we now have a place and an inheritance in you. And Father, I just pray over each and every person that's here that they just understand their covenant and that they go forth and they speak their covenant, that they go and they tell people about their covenant, that they go and they use their covenant in their own lives and in other people's lives, Father. I just pray in Jesus' name that you are just bringing about an understanding of your covenant in the earth and that people start to just take and manifest the things that you are trying to put into the earth through the covenant, Father. Father, I pray over each and every person as they go, I pray that you just lead people across their path and that they just bless them with the word and the gospel, Father. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed.